Hello, everyone. It's Thursday, and that means it's Fancy Stats Day here on the Splash Play channel. Where I'm going to show you guys my Excel sheet, all the data that I pull in from all the premium sites out there. We're going to try to find some angles, try to find some advantages for ourselves, both Thursday night football as well as all Sunday's games. And then you know it's time to strap in and hit the Fantasy Cruncher Optimizer because there's a million dollars on top on DraftKings today. A lot of money to be won and an ugly matchup that we're going to need something to feel good about. So let's do it after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football and occasionally fantasy basketball podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by you guys today in the chat, joined by everybody watching after the fact. And if you are watching live or afterwards, please follow the neon flashing lights, subscribe to the channel, hit the like button and comment. Apparently on YouTube now, they're giving out at handles to the partners. So I got one for this channel and it's at Splash Play Pod on here too. So go to youtube.com slash at Splash Play Pod if you want to subscribe. For some reason, you're listening on a podcast app. Please do that because the YouTube channel is, of course, where all the magic is, where you get to look me in the eyes and know time and time again what I'm doing. Ben, YouTuber in here, asking a question right away, scanning the fantasy football channels for live content. I am sure saying I have CD, Amon Rock, Kirk, and AJ Brown. Should I trade AJ Brown and Everett and Mostert for Brees Hall? I would not do that. Don't trade AJ Brown. Don't trade stud receivers for running backs, even though Brees Hall is looking good. Grab Michael Carter off of waivers. Get him for cheap. Do that instead. But over, yeah, you have CMC and Aaron Jones. How many running backs do you need, Ben? Would be the question I would ask. You need receivers. You need to. I I, I get you know season long leagues, redraft leagues can be tough, but Ben, you got to worry about your stud receivers. If you have a running back that's looking good, please please do that. Wait, is this just this is just apparently fantasy football question time? But we're gonna get some stats on a second here. Traded away JT and D Hop. Christian McCaffrey and Pittman currently one for uh, one and four win or a loss. Uh, I'd say probably a loss. Honestly, um, I wouldn't trade again. Panic trades here. If you're coming to this channel, you're coming to the wrong channel. If you're looking for information about panic trades and stuff you're doing, don't panic trade in fantasy. Don't panic trade in season long. Don't like don't do it. Play best ball. First of all, is the thing I would say if you're in even in a season long league, you want to save your season long league from imploding from people being tired of working waivers just making a best ball league. But second of all, you got to have diamond hands with anything season long wise. Uh, you're investing too much time to, uh, I think, uh, like if people are saying this is a win on that trade. It's not a win. Don't trade away the number one overall pick. If you invest in the number one overall pick, you got to go down with that ship. You're not going to salvage value off of it at that point. The way you win is Jonathan Taylor finally making up, finding the middle ground for what he's going to do as a player. Um, that's going to be finding the end zone a little bit more. But uh, yeah, guys, I, I appreciate the YouTube comments. Glad we're getting some regular folks streaming in here as opposed to just all the regular parts of this Splash Play community. But um, follow this channel more and don't follow people that tell you to panic trade, guys, because I don't think that's the way you win over the course of time. The way you win is making fringe moves, picking up Kenneth Walker to give you some more running back depth, uh, picking up a Chris Olave when he's available and it seems like he's flashing, picking up uh, George Pickens when he's flashing. Like These are the ways you win a league. It's not by giving up on stances you made, betting on yourself being right. Uh, but let's talk about it. Oh, oh boy, Ben, I'm not doing this, man. Let's talk about the stats, of course. It is a fancy stat show here where I'm going to pull all the data that I have, of course, pulled from Football Outsiders, which you can get for yourself at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Under $60 a year for all the data we have really – all season long, going to be also stuff for the USFL, going to be stuff for the XFL coming up. So please get in there right now, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe to check it out. But also places like Sports Info Solutions, PFF, Stochastic, I pay for it all or I get it for free and I use it generously on the stream to try to find some advantages. We have unearthed some gems recently. Last week, Carson Wentz stacks, didn't end up getting there with Terry McLaurin, got there with Diami Brown, but still Wentz himself was a solid play. As a result of going against the Titans defense, it gives up a lot of deep balls. Also, Jacoby Myers, a play that uh, really I was – very in on in a way that I did not prepare to be in on last week, but he is a guy that, you know, I think will be good again this week, maybe not quite as good, but still we're going to try to see some things here in the deep ball stats and some of the uh, other peripheral premium stats out there and see if we can find an advantage to get to. But let's do it here. First game on the board, of course, going to be Thursday night football. And we will crunch some lineups for this one after this uh, after this segment here. Of course, I have the fantasy cruncher ready to go. Did my groups ahead of time, so you don't have to worry about that one. But we got the Washington Commanders going to the Chicago Bears. Nineteen point five and five points for the Commanders. Eighteen point five for the Bears. Seems like a spot where I think. 
Obviously, everybody's going to be playing the ugly parts of it. Everybody's going to be playing defenses. Everybody's going to be playing kickers. We'll see that more as we get into the crunch, look at the optimal lineup to see how it goes. But this seems like a spot to me where I think there are some advantages in trying to target upside for passing players. And you can see here going against the Bears defense, 3.4% of the time they're allowing a deep ball, which is not a lot with the lower marks in the league. When they do allow a deep ball, though, it does seem to hit at a pretty good rate, 64% completion rate, 23 yards per pass overall, uh, not getting a lot of interceptions, not getting the passes defense, which is a, normally a sign of interceptions to come, as we've talked about. So I think trying to get Carson Wentz in a lineup could be interesting. Um, I We're going to talk about it again when we build the optimizer lineups on Fantasy Cruncher. But I think that playing Carson Wentz, playing along with uh, some of these guys, I think McLaurin is probably the one that looks most appealing, but you have Curtis Samuel at a cheaper price tag. Playing those guys at captain could be interesting. Um, playing Wentz in the flex and, the, and the requiring that you get a pass catcher with him could also be a logical way to do that. Uh, Ross is thinking double kicker tonight. That's something that uh, could be of interest to some folks. I still think overall playing two kickers, playing two defenses on a lineup is not the move, uh, but you do see two teams here that kick field goals at a pretty high rate, especially Chicago, uh, number three in the league overall in terms of their field goals per drive. You can see that number down here. I'm going to going against the Washington team that actually doesn't, I mean, kind of in the middle here with 4.6 points per red zone possession that they're giving up. Um, I still think playing two kickers is not the move. I think trying to worry about your salary, trying to worry about your roster construction is still going to be the better moves to win money over the course of time. But I think I would get it here. Uh, boy, I'm not, I'm not doing Q and a guys. <laughs> I appreciate it. Wentz is an injury. He'll apparently try and play through to his throwing arm. Okay. Something to keep in mind there. Again, it's a low total game in this spot. We know the Bears have played ugly. Both teams, you can see the neutral pace stats here. Washington playing at a 32.9 second pace. Uh, Chicago playing at a 30.4 second pace. Um, these are things that I think can portend a slower moving game in addition to the low total. But I think people will chase having two defenses, having two kickers on a lineup tonight. So I think the way to get different is to chase you know, the deep passing ability, hoping that Wentz can, can sling one and make it work. Did have some nice throws in that game against Titans, though. If he has an injured arm, maybe that won't be the best thing for him. But if he's playing, you got to assume he's going to be full go. That's the way you win money. The missed tackle rate for Chicago is also a thing that I'll highlight here. 10.2% missed tackle rate. You do have some guys who can be evasive uh, sometimes, at least Antonio Gibson. Only a 14.3% avoided tackle rate on the year, but still getting enough touches. Also, with Ryan Robinson being back in last week, didn't see any red zone work, was still going to Gibson. So I think Gibson could be a play to be, honestly, terrified to play $8,600 salary for a showdown, but certainly a guy that's getting the red zone work. As you can see here, 2.2 intended touches in the side of the red zone. Every game 1.4 inside the five, every game. Um, time, oh, jo, here we go. Johannes saying, so that'll be the reason to fire Ron. Ron has certainly put some quotes out there, uh, which I think we're taking out of context with him talking about, you know, quarterback being the issue. Like if you do look at Ron Rivera's stint as the commander's QB or as a, you know, the commander's coach, the QBs have been a rotating carousel for him where they wanted Alex Smith. He got hurt. Then you have tight, Taylor Heineke having to come in. He's certainly, you know, uh, not a guy that should be starting for the most part. Carson Wentz, they wanted Jimmy Garoppolo instead went his way. So I think, you know, Ron Rivera had a point about quarterback being an issue. You know, ultimately, though, as the as the head coach, you kind of have to fall on the sword, I think, overall. Um, and that's one where clearly he was not willing to do that one. Um, but yeah, I think to me, just the one thing that jumps out is that nobody will play any sort of assumption of uh, deep passing success. I think if you try to play that here, that's going to give you an advantage. I think playing McLaurin is going to look the most appealing. Um, honestly, lower ownership than Curtis Samuel because of the high price tag. I think that's going to make people go to Samuel more. Dami Brown, um, I think we have to check the status of him closer to game time. He was questionable throughout the week after looking so good on the deep passes last week. Does seem like he's in line to get more opportunity. Cam Sims was running ahead of him in terms of snap count. So maybe Cam Sims could be a guy to go to whether Naomi Brown is in and out. But overall, I think just trying to pay the passing attack or play the passing attack for Washington just a little bit while you still play your one defense, while you still play your one kicker, I think it's going to be the most appealing. Chicago, certainly a team that's going to run a lot, but you can see here there is also some pretty good success going against the deep ball uh, with this Washington defense giving up 34.3 intended air yards per attempt. Obviously, Justin Fields not throwing a lot in general, definitely not throwing the deep ball very often, only 3.4 passes, 20-plus yards here. And, uh, you know, obviously I know this is going to be pretty overwhelming to see on the screen for you guys here who aren't as familiar with the sheet as I am after having to lovingly code all this together, having to do index matching and be look up on a ton of different sheets. Uh, but overall, hopefully you can follow along with me. And again, the, you know, you can see the player name here. Most of their core stats are going to be down here. Defense stats are the ones highlighted in this rose slash orange on the screen. And then you also have your man coverage, your zone stats from SIS on this portion of things. I think actually might be a combo of PFF and SIS's data there. And I also put in EPA per play numbers as well. Um, you can see the Chicago D overall giving up more uh, expected points added per play, uh, given a decent rushing success rate, decent drop back success rate. Uh, on the other side, Washington uh, really not having as high of a success rate going against their defense. So 
Chicago should be ugly. I think Washington playing as though they're going to win is certainly the most interesting thing to talk about. But uh, we'll, again, we'll get into that when I get to the fancy cruncher portion of things. Next game here, the first one on Sunday, we got Jacksonville 20 implied points, Colts 22 implied points. Um, you're seeing a good drop back success rate going against Indianapolis defense. So maybe a spot for Christian Kirk to get well. Um, overall, does feel though with the fact that the Colts defend the deep ball pretty well, only a 31% completion rate of passes over 20 plus air yards, only 5% attempt rate does feel like for the most part, they're able to keep the keep the ball in front of them, which is certainly something that limits the upside. Um Decent pace for Jacksonville, so maybe they will get a few more pass attempts up than normal. Uh, Trevor Lawrence on the year, 38.4 dropbacks. This is a game to me that I honestly don't have a lot of love for. Um, not a lot to jump out. There are definitely going to be some games that jump out. One in particular has a high total on the week, as you saw. You can see it on the thumbnail. I don't I don't go around putting Geno Smith on thumbnails for fun. I don't do it for my own health. Uh, but I do think that uh, that game is going to be one where there's going to be some obvious green, some obvious stuff to look at in this spot, maybe a little bit less obvious of a joy to get to. Tom Palacero, uh, Pal oh boy, Palacero, NFL Network says it's a biceps tendon strain near his throwing shoulder. Again, if he's playing, if Carson Wentz is playing, you just got to treat him like he's playing. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry that much about those kind of things if the guy is active. Like, you could certainly maybe downgrade your Wentz exposure. He is going to be coming up a lot in the optimal. So maybe you could just play Terry McLaurin instead of Wentz in some lineups. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to, like, start sweating injuries that heavily. Like, if the guy's playing, you got to treat him like he's going to be mostly a full go and at least be you know 90% of his core competency. Um, San Francisco. So this is a game I think is pretty interesting. Uh, 25 implied points for San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo on the year, but one of the better QBs according to CPOE. The top QB in the league is this fucker behind me, Geno Smith. We've talked about enough here. Of course, we are a Drew Locke household. We will continue to be. That said, Geno Smith, I think looks pretty good in battle royales. Another low-owned guy, though, in Battle Royale's an underdog, I think would be going to Jimmy Garoppolo. I also think this is a chance potentially for it to be a Debo Samuel breakout game. You're seeing here, uh, they're giving him the ball 22.2% of the time he's on the field on you know playing a snap. That's something that portends, I think, a game script that could go his way. You still have George Kittle getting some targets. You still have Brandon Ayuk, who we know all the preseason hype was in favor of. But I think this could be a Debo Samuel breakout game. Could be one where you go to Garoppolo and Debo. Um, and I think this actually is a week where it is tough for me to extol the virtues of Kyle Pitts. He has been on the panic or no panic every week. I think if he plays poorly again this week, even if he plays well, he's probably going to be back in the panic section when I'm back doing a stream on Monday as well. Um, but I think this could be the Kyle Pitts game. I think this could be the one you could see here. There are no weaknesses in this entire San Francisco defense. If you see red, it's bad for the offense. That's something I'm going to highlight here. A lot of red across the board. Uh, you know, the zone splits here don't really matter that much. What does matter, though, is the one vulnerability that the Niners have had this year is that they do give up some decent deep ball rates. Also, well, I guess overall the rates aren't that high. 4.8% deep ball rate is going to be a little bit lower in the middle of the pack, but they do give up a 6.7% touchdown rate. Do give up a 40% completion rate. And you can see right here, who's the guy who gets the deep ball in this Falcons offense. That's been pretty gross. It is in fact, Kyle Pitts, 2.5 deep targets per game, 91.3 air yards per game for him. You do see Olamide Zacchaeus. Maybe he's the guy, maybe he's the reason that we end up seeing Kyle Pitts bust again, but I think Kyle Pitts at 4,200 going undrafted underdog battle Royales as well. I think Kyle Pitts is not a guy to get overexposed to, not a guy to put everywhere, but I do think is a guy that could actually have a good game this week and the Niners stack, you know, go Jimmy, go Debo, and then run it back with Kyle Pitts. I don't think a lot of people will have that. Uh, so you know, there's going to be other ways the Niners can score points. I think Tevin Coleman, I saw Josh and Hayden over on the underdog channel talking really highly of how Tevin Coleman looked. Jeff Wilson also had great numbers and looked great on paper as well, or looked great on film, according to all the film grinders out there. Uh, but it does seem like a spot to me where Jimmy Garoppolo passing the ball well, going against a team that gives up a lot of success against the pass, 53% drop back success rate, um, again, according to these metrics over here. So to me, this is a situation where I think you could go to Jimmy Garoppolo, run it back with Pitts, and get really low owned and hopefully get your chalk somewhere else. You think there may be some week four copycatting or... Uh, where people onslaught Buffalo, Kansas City, as the same uh, some people did with Seattle and Detroit. I think that's a possibility. The one thing that jumps out to me, and we're going to get to this game as well, of course, going to scan through them all. The Bills defense is so good, Ross, that I think it might be a mistake to really load up on Kansas City. I think it's more likely that you see one player have an outlier day. I'm thinking it's MVS, but Juju is certainly running enough routes that he could uh, be that guy, though apparently Juju looks awful on film. MVS looks pretty good on film. Um, Travis Kelsey, you got to think a, he's been performing, performing so much higher than expectation all year so far, but also like, he's the one thing, if you're the bills and you're a team that's smart,
aren't. You've been great defensively. The one that you're going to try to stop is Travis Kelsey, where I think, you know, you maybe you're going to say, hey, let MVS beat us. Let Patrick Mahomes throw deep. Let's see what happens. Um, So I think game stacking that one could be like too heavily could be a mistake, but I think the some portion of the field will try to do it and it's a high total game. So maybe they're right. I, I think I'm curious to see where the ownership looks across the industry as we get uh, closer to Sunday. Lunchables kind of sort of saying Wentz can't get worse. Maybe an injury fixes him. That's true. Could be a classic rookie of the year scenario for him where he breaks that bicep tendon, tears it. And now his arm is just slinging the ball deep and accurately looking like the old days. Probably not, but there's, there's a chance it could happen. Uh, oh, here we go. Good for Johannes kicking butt in one high six dynasty league guys. There you go. So look, take your victories where you can get them. Uh, I still am riding high with the best ball feeling like that's the, the best chance to win the big money this year, especially on DraftKings. But I will see as we go along. How many seasons have been people have been chasing MVS? his entire career but you know <laughs> if ever there were a year to do it this was it um the issue is the the chiefs overall not throwing the ball downfield at as high of a rate as you'd expect especially given how much uh their pass rate over expectation they're one of the tops in the league in that metric uh, they're not throwing the ball deep that's definitely a problem for them let's keep it going though baltimore we got 25 implied points the giants 19.5 implied points we know that the ravens they're going to want to run first and foremost despite the fact they have passed a little bit more this year uh worth pointing out rashad bateman still not practicing t higgins also not practicing so those could be uh important injuries to track as we go on with the week but bateman in particular could open up opportunity for duvernay uh devin duvernay could open up a little more opportunity for mark andrews who doesn't need more opportunity opened up but certainly has been good enough that said i do see this rushing success rate here that the giants are giving up a 43.8 percent success rate which would be positive rushing epa of 0.005 which isn't like fantastic but is a positive number and when you consider the fact that buff uh, that baltimore we know wants to run at a high rate lamar certainly can run it and get great results just on the ground maybe a week to consider a naked lamar you know i, I think it's hard for me to fully justify a naked qb i think you're probably better off if duvernay ends up playing without bateman i think maybe going with him as a one-man stack certainly andrews try to solve that tight end issue of just playing anybody who could score points which is sometimes the case in tight end uh, mark andrews could be that guy as well but i think lamar naked is not a crazy play it's just probably not one you're going to do in like a millie maker maybe even a spy i think you still probably would want to have at least one pass catcher for the Giants' side, can they do anything would be the question because uh, the Ravens suffering against the deep ball this year, giving up a 60% completion rate on passes over 20 air yards, also giving up 19 yards per pass on those plays, uh, which is kind of interesting. I guess that accounts for all the drop passes as well. So it's yards per attempt, so keep that in mind. 10% um, TD rate for deep balls. The issue for the Giants is that Kenny Galladay is not practicing. Kadarius Tony is still hurt. Uh, looks like Marcus Johnson again could be running outside with Darius Slayton. Our, our Roy Pete might be happy tomorrow when he's back on the channel at 10 a.m. or a little bit before 10 a.m. with me doing ride or die picks because Darius Slayton is in position here. Perhaps that'd be the guy who luck boxes a touchdown out of this one. Is he enough to play? I don't know. It's a low total game. We've seen Baltimore give up a lot of deep throws overall. So I do think targeting a Slayton, if he's out there, maybe a little bit of exposure to Marcus Johnson wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if those guys seemingly cements themselves to the go to outside receivers for the Giants until Galladay gets back. And even then, if Galladay gets back, uh, I think that, that their relationship seems pretty frayed at this point. Tampa Bay, 26 implied points. Pittsburgh, 18 implied points as we scroll down here. Um, so this is one where I'm intrigued by Kenny Pickett's ability to throw them into this game. You can see down here, Tampa Bay, when they allow teams to get into the red zone, terrible. 30th ranked overall in terms of points allowed in the red zone. 30th overall in terms of touchdowns in the red zone trips overall. Pittsburgh has been no great shakes themselves, punting a lot here, all red for their drive stats, which is not a good thing in this right corner. But that said, we know that Tampa Bay can put up points. We also know that Pittsburgh suffered mightily in terms of giving up the deep ball last week versus Buffalo. Uh, I think Tampa Bay has not shown a big interest in throwing a deep too much, but certainly Mike Evans has been good enough to do it. Julio Jones still gets targets for the amount of time he's out there with his gimpy leg. This could be a situation that has that low-owned deep stack that has some appeal. Both teams giving up pretty generous deep ball rates, but especially Pittsburgh here, 15% touchdown rate on deep balls. When Gabe Davis kills you like he did last week, even Khalil Shakir looking pretty good. Um, that'll certainly bounce up the numbers a little bit, but still... Um, I'm intrigued by this game, even though it's one that on paper would seem ugly, not a high total game. But Pickett's been pretty good, like an 85% adjusted completion rate you could see here. And just follow my mouse if you really want to see the things that I'm looking at the most uh, with my eyes. But um, Pickett's been solid enough that he could throw them into this game. So do I have a lot of faith in it? No, it seems like Pickett's still going to have his growing pains, going to have some turnovers. But he's also been okay, you know, not taking sacks a lot when getting pressured. Not a great QB rating, though. Um I think Pickett will have better days. I don't know that I want to play him as part of a stack, but Brady, you know, stacked up with Evans, brought back with George Pickens, brought back with Deontay Johnson, who's dropping everything. 
those could be plays that have some appeal. And you can see here Deontay Johnson at one point. The air yards are right now prayer yards, 120 per game, but at some point that could pay off, and this could be the game that it does. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that as a mini stack to play with some exposure, not, not crazily. New England, 20.5 implied points. Cleveland, 23 implied points in this one. What I'm going to highlight here, the rushing stats. Both teams, tremendous at rushing. Uh, Damian Harris, it's looking like, is going to be out, though. I did see a report that he was limited in practice, so just make sure that he doesn't do some Patriot bullshit and get in there. If that is the case, Ramondre Stevenson, the chalk of all chalk here, 31% expected ownership from Stochastic. Um, that seems like a lot for Ramondre. That alone could be a reason to move away from him, but you should likely be playing Ramondre in cash. He is going to get the ball a lot he's been good they've been trying to give him the ball 46 percent of the time when he's on the field 16.8 intended touches per game it's going to go up when uh, presumably damian harris's role gets rolled right into what uh Ramondre stevenson does and you have the fact as well that this uh the team for uh, for cleveland given up a 57 rushing td split compared to 42 percent for uh the passing td side it feels like Ramondre Stevenson is a very good play. It feels more like a play that you consider getting away from, or you go pair him with a low-owned stack for the big tournaments. Um, Ramondre, fantastic. A 30% owned running back is a tough one to go into. I think you're getting more Jamal Williams chalk from a few weeks ago than you are getting the Khalil Herbert that same day. Uh, but Ramondre is certainly a player that is not going to come as a surprise to anybody. And I think you could maybe try to pivot away from him if you wanted. Maybe go to Jacoby Myers. Even the fact that Cleveland does struggle with the deep ball, uh, which is something I pointed out in Stochastics on the contrary last week. Uh, I think it's something that, you know, they do struggle with the deep ball. If you take deep shots, you can maybe get some results. And we actually have seen a pretty good amount of deep shots going to Jacoby Myers. So that was what put me on him last week. And I think it's something to consider this week against Cleveland. Nick Chubb on the other side, also going to look great. Uh, the Patriots giving up a 50% rushing success rate, 0.048 rushing EPA per game. Uh, you know, normally you don't want to play both running backs in a game. So I think taking Nick Chubb would be the lever against Ramondre. Um, the assumption would be the Browns could run out the clock. Obviously, the steep price tag for Chubb is going to make him pop up less than an optimizer. Um, but, you know, I, I think this honestly is a game where just on paper, it feels like you could play both running backs and it wouldn't be crazy. I just know that I, I don't have the faith in it. Uh, Johannes saying Ramondre, the Rhino Stevenson is in for his fifth touchdown of the day. What a game. I look, it wouldn't be crazy. I mean, at that point, he is the chalk you have to play. The issue is just there's so many running backs on a the slate. There are a few nice spots to go to. That 6K price tag, even the casuals know, has been pretty beneficial lately. So, again, he's not taking anybody by surprise, but I think you can play him. You just got to play him then and get your ownership product down somewhere else. Brock has a trade question. Didn't we already I, we, another Brees AJ Brown? Uh, is this guy just asking the flip side of that other earlier question? He's already got Mixon and Barkley, and his wide receivers are pretty bad. Um, yeah, I think you're, trading for a stud receiver, I'm always okay with. Trading your stud receiver for a running back, something I would not do. So I think I'm okay with your trade, Brock. I was not okay with those other trades that were coming up earlier. Uh, Singletary over Ramondre could be interesting leverage. Uh, leverage that's true. I think Singletary though looks pretty chalky, but we'll see when we get to that game. Um, Cincinnati, 22.5 implied points, Nolens, 20.5 implied points. This is one where I think people may chase it as a potential shootout, seeing what new Orleans gave up last week to Seattle, uh, seeing as well, obviously Cincinnati do for a get well spot. You would think, I don't think this is it. You can see here bad. It's really bad across the board for both defenses, EPA per play. New Orleans is in the negative with their defense. Cincinnati also in the negative with EPA per play. So they're taking points away every play. Um, we do see some defensive success or you know success going against New Orleans defense in terms of the deep ball. But a lot of that was Gino forcing it into like triple coverage in a way that it, it honestly felt like Gino should not have had the game he had last week against New Orleans, but he did. And he, you know, he might do it again this week. Um, but it was a tough spot on paper. And I feel like if, even if you just watch those touchdowns over again, he's dropping dimes, but dropping dimes into spots that like, you don't want to drop dimes, dropping dimes into spots that James Winston would see and go like, yeah, let me force it in here. <laughs> like that's, that's not where you want it to be. So, um, I think this game, I would want to play towards the under, but the pure talent on both sides, the fact that people too will likely try to go to Taysom Hill and hope to capture that again. If Jameis is in and Olave is playing, and if Michael Thomas are playing, I think right now Stochastic has these guys projected as being in. Maybe you do go to a New Orleans stack, run it back with the Cincinnati guy, or you go to a Burrow stack, run it back with the New Orleans guy. I don't think it's crazy to try to stack this game up, but on paper, I feel like it, it it just seems like a game that should go a little bit uglier, a little bit slower, a little bit less uh, scoring inclined. 
Uh, Minnesota, 24.3 implied points. Miami, 21.3 implied points. This one, another one that feels like people may go after a little bit more. The ownership seemingly not there. Justin Jefferson, only 10% ownership. He's the high um, in this game, or actually high for the Vikings. Most Starrett looks like he's picking up a good amount of ownership as well. Corner Stochastic with 14%. Um, this is something that jumps out to me. The success rate on dropbacks has been very high going against this Miami defense. 53% success rate actually I think might be the highest in the league for a defense that's uh, being allowed. The EPA of 0.237 per play also looking pretty solid. Kirk Cousins stacks kind of interesting um, as another low owned play under 5% ownership. Certainly, Justin Jefferson has that appeal. Um, you could also consider Adam Thielen, Irv Smith actually getting the fed, uh, getting fed the ball more when he's on the field uh, than pretty much everybody at tight end 12.4% intended touch rate for him uh, when he's playing a snap. Um, I still think Justin Jefferson having the outlier day, like I would want to match the field 10%. I don't know that I want to get above that very much, uh, but it seems like everything funnels through Jefferson, you know, Minnesota double sacks down them aren't that appealing, even single sacks with Thielen or Irv Smith, not quite as appealing, but feels like this could be a game though. The target cousins and Jefferson stacks, who would you bring it back with? We're not likely to see two this week. Teddy Bridgewater is back in practice, but limited after his concussion. So he's not likely to play as well. Seems like Skylar Thompson's going to be that guy. Uh, let me pull up Skylar Thompson's stats real fast by getting rid of Tua and Teddy. Let's see what he did last week. As you can see, I just pulled my player list from the, the DK player pool. So Honestly, Skylar Thompson might not even be in my name database. So let's get him in there too. There's one thing I didn't think about. You don't think about Tyler about Skylar Thompson a lot when you're putting together your sheet for the week, but he actually might be an important play to look at. So let's just paste his ass in everywhere. And again, this is you want to know the level of work that it goes to to create these uh these sheets to put on a show. Uh this is the level of work it is. Incredible amount. 1300 names in my in my quote unquote database right now. Um, so here's Skylar Thompson. Um, okay. Bad when pressured in a limited sample size, certainly not throwing the balls deep 6.6 .6 intended air yards per attempt. Maybe with a week of practice, it gets better. Um, if Teddy Bridgewater somehow makes it in, I think he's an interesting play going against this uh, Minnesota defense overall, uh, giving up 5.4 points per red zone trip, 76% or 77% touchdown per red zone rate. Um, there's something to Miami. I just don't know that it's Shock Raheem Mostert, but it, I feel like a Mostert, a Ramondre Stevenson pairing will be pretty highly owned overall this week on DraftKings. Jets, 19 implied points. Green Bay, 26 implied points. The rushing success right here, these guys who are thinking about trading Brees Hall, this is going to be a week where you have to hold your nose if you're trying to get rid of Brees Hall. Um, high rushing success rate, 50.4% of the plays going against the Green Bay defense for rushers have gone well. Green Bay also not fantastic against the deep ball, good up a 50% completion rate, 26.8 air yards per attempt. Um, excuse me, 28.8 air yards per attempt. Um, game feels like it could shoot out. I think just looking at these numbers overall, neither defense that great, neither defense good in the red zone, five points per red zone trip for Green Bay, 5.3 points per red zone trip allowed for the Jets defense. Kind of feels like this game could be a sneaky one to look at. I don't know if you want to stack it up too hard. If you're going to Green Bay stacks, it's pretty much Lazard at this point. I wouldn't want to go to Randall Cobb, though. If you were, to, I guess, to throw out everything we know of Randall Cobb being an old player, uh, maybe you want to get to, but um, it's a low total game. So, Hard to have a full co-sign in, but I think getting some Brees Hall, getting some Michael Carter, a little bit less ownership for those guys at decent price tags. Uh, Carter especially, uh, cheaper, 2K, or excuse me, a 2% ownership, 5K salary. Uh, still getting a good amount of red zone work as well. Carter could be the sneak play to get in here and hope that it pays off. If you really want to get, from the, get away from that Ramondre chalk, that's one way to do it. Where would it be without VLOOKUP? I would be nowhere. I would be completely lost. I was doing my NBA sheet, getting that ready as well for the DFS season coming up there, and I had to fucking redo a lot of shit again. <laughs> so uh, that's the nature of the beast. If you do any of these Excel sheets, prepare to constantly have to update things and correct things. If any site changes something this much, you got to redo everything. Carolina 16 implied points. PJ Walker starting. Uh, PJ Walker has not lived up to the XFL hype, the dreams I had for him there. Um, certainly feels like with PJ Walker, he can't be worse than Baker Mayfield, whose stats we're seeing on the screen, uh, giving up one of the lowest CPOEs completion rate over expectation. Uh, plus, I think the EPA as well as what's included in that stat. DVOA wise as well, minus 40% according to Football Outsiders DVOA for QBs. Um, PJ Walker maybe can get a receiver there, maybe can get DJ more there. Uh, it seems like James 
James Conner officially ruled out. They're just going to keep that in mind. So, you know, Benjamin show, perhaps uh, Cardinals will see who else they trot out there in the actives this week. Darrell Williams seems like he's not likely to play as well. Connor being out there actually could be very important because this Arizona Seattle game we're to get to next. That's the marquee one. That's the one that I, I'm very intrigued by. This Carolina game though. I think taking a low on DJ Moore could be interesting. Taking a low on Robbie Anderson could be interesting. Um, not something I have a lot of faith in, but PJ Walker, at least in the XFL, was willing to throw the ball deep. It's a new team. You got to think, you know, Ben McAdoo with a, him having a little more power uh, without having to report to Matt Rule now. And Steve Wilkes being a defensive coach, maybe it's the week that McAdoo tries to open it up. So if there ever a week to play Panthers and to hope that there's something that goes right with DJ Moore, I think this could be the week. The Rams side, though. Um, boy, the Rams have been bad, but they get 26 implied points in this one going against the Panthers defense. Nothing jumps out as being obviously a spot to target here. Um, they're okay against deep balls, 30.2 air yards per attempt, 6.3% touchdown rate. Um, I guess Cooper cup feels like a safe play to throw in, in your flex. If you have that 9,700 left over, feels like a steep price tag, but Cooper cup, we know wide receiver one, uh, there's nobody else really threatening him at this point with Allen Robinson looking completely washed up with a 54.5% catch rate, a uh, scrow neck, not getting targeted enough. Um, maybe Higby you can go to as well. Uh, but Cooper cup, I think is the play to have some confidence in. Okay. Short gamer also pointing out Connor, not officially ruled out. So there you go. Something to keep in mind. CD Lamb, Debo, or Amon Ra, pick one for this week. I think it's Debo for me. Uh, D we talked about it before. Uh, if you want to skim back to when I talked about the Niners, I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's in a good spot. That means Debo's in a good spot. Uh, Arizona. So this game, I don't know how the ownership is going to go for this one because it feels like people aren't willing to make the leap on Gino. That said, there've been enough headlines about Seattle and how well they're playing. Also how loose their defense is. And this is the part that jumps out. Let me take a sip of water. Cause I need to, I need to strap in for what <laughs> we're talking about this. Okay. Look at all this screen. EPA per play, 0.173, I think is the highest in the league allowed by defense. EPA per play, 0.177 on dropbacks, 0.062 overall allowed by the Arizona defense. Um, Gino playing out of his mind, all green here. CPOE, again, the completion rate over expectation plus the EPA, 0.189. According to DVOA, a 34% boost as a QB. Um, you have Kenneth Walker as well at a decent price tag, though 19% expected ownership is a lot. That said, I think Kenneth Walker is a great play in season long. As we talked about, you should be picking him up if you didn't get him. If he was available in your league and you didn't grab him, that's a mistake. Um, this spot screams you should get a lot of stacks. Um, I think the Kyler stacks, if they're going to be the lesser owned part, that appeals to me. Marquise Brown as a single stack works. Rondale Moore as a, a pivot point from Brown, I think is also okay. Um, though it does feel like he'll be higher owned. 14% expected ownership from Stochastic compared to 10. Um, I think Kyler Murray stacks are great. I think in the Battle Royale and Underdog, which you should be playing. Uh, I'll be doing the Badge Bros show, I believe, next week uh, with those guys. But I check out their streams. Check out their YouTube channel if you want to wrap your head around Battle Royale. But 50K up top for a tournament that has, uh, I think, Marquise Brown going in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, that is Kyler Murray going in the fifth round this week. That is, I think, a gigantic mistake. I think if you're going to see Arizona have the results that they feel like they should have every week, this is the spot to target it. You can see the deep ball rate here, giving up 10% touchdown rate on deep balls uh, is the Seattle defense. They're also not forcing punts, forcing punts at a league low 22% rate, forcing three and outs at a league low 6% rate. This is the get well spot for Arizona. If there's any juice left in Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury's relationship, if there's any juice left in Cliff Kingsbury's play calling, this is the week that they have to show it. So I think Kyler Sachs and Marquise Brown are a priority in every format. Eno Benjamin going to rise to the tide as well, going against a, a Seattle defense that also gives up a 50% rushing TD rate. Um, like overall, everything looks great for Arizona. So I'm going to say it now, target this game. That said, the Geno ownership is coming up. Geno is now a known quantity if we're to believe the stochastic ownership projections. He's on the thumbnail. You should play him. That said, if he's going to be this chalky, I do think the Kyler Murray stack is the more appealing play. Run it back with DK Metcalf. Run it back with Lockett. Run it back with Kenneth Walker. Honestly, run it back with Will Disley. Um, you can see here the Arizona defense, according to DVOA, giving up a 40% boost to tight ends. I think Disley is a sneaky play for DFS. A sneaky play also for the Battle Royale formats on underdog. Um, I like this game a lot. I'm worried about the ownership in this game. I also wouldn't be shocked if the ownership just isn't as high because people filed away Seattle as a shit team. And maybe maybe five weeks of articles about them outperforming expectations is enough to get people there. But casual players do not adjust their opinions. Like um, 
talked about it yesterday with the NBA basketball stream where people are like, there's a 0% chance that the Nets are going to win the title. There's not a 0% chance. There's in fact, like, you know, a five to 10% chance and maybe even higher by the time we get to later in the season. Um, People can't get over those things. People can't get over the hump mentally with some of this stuff. Um, I think you play Seattle. I think you play him close to the field's ownership. I think DK Metcalf appeals to me more than Tyler Lockett, but both guys, you see strong air yards numbers going against a team in Arizona that actually has limited the deep ball well. Um, yeah, I just think play the Murray stacks with Seattle guys, but don't be afraid to play any sacks from this game because it looks fantastic. Here's the star game, though. Um, we can see Ross talking about it. Oh, God, there's a structure around Buffalo, Kansas City, and Seattle, Arizona that I could see being duped like crazy with that Connor news. Yes, I think that people are going to game stack this game as we talked about getting chat questions about it already. People will remember the Seattle-Detroit game and want to go here. If I had to choose between games to game stack, I would go to the Arizona-Seattle game over this one. That said, right now, not a lot of ownership expected to go here. Uh, I, I think that, that can't be right. That can't be the way that people will play it. Tough price tags, but Diggs, man, Diggs is a fantastic play on underdog battle royales. Diggs is a play that I think you got to be at least with the field, uh, maybe close to it, given that it's 18% feels a little bit lofty. But to me, Diggs is a, a ceiling play here. I believe he's the first guy to get to 100 in the underdog scoring uh, because of having a little more touchdown luck than Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup has so far. But this spot to me just feels like one that Diggs has the ability to go off. We saw what Devontae Adams did against his Kansas City defense. Uh, Corno, this DVOA number here, going against wide receiver ones. Kansas City's defense giving up a 42% DVOA boost. Um, Gabe Davis can get there. Uh, I kind of feel like the ownership might flip between these two with what we saw from Gabe last week. Stefan Diggs had a relatively quiet 25 fantasy point game. Um, I don't know that I'm buying that people will will avoid the discount for Gabe Davis. So if that's the case, I feel more confident in Diggs. I just I think Diggs is a smash play this week, and he's a guy that I've been taking sometimes in the uh, well taking over the QBs uh, who aren't Josh Allen and Battle Royales. Um, I think Diggs is that is that dude this week. And uh, honestly, relative to price tags, he might be my favorite stud receiver out of all of them. Uh, Dallas Philadelphia. This one I've not pulled in the player pools for showdown yet. Feels like an ugly game, though. This feels like one where you could play a defense, play kicker, and not feel that bad about it. Uh, the Cowboys take a lot of field goals per drive. Uh, Philadelphia, when they get people into the red zone, force people to kick field goals. Though I guess even that, not giving up a lot of field goals. Only uh, first in the league with a 1.9% field goal per drive rate. Um, this game will give our showdown picks tomorrow with Pete. Of course, uh, the classic splash play with me and Pete will be back tomorrow at about 9.50 a.m. is when we go live there, but certainly before 10 a.m. Uh, either way, tune in for that one. If you want to see the ride or die picks and more about uh, Dallas, Philadelphia, but this game to me feels kind of ugly and it feels like one where it's just going to be Jalen hurts running into the line a lot. And I, I don't have a lot of faith in the scoring in this one. Uh, there we go. So that's the sheet. Anybody has any questions? Drop them in the chat now before I put the, before I put the screen share away for this one. But guys, now is the time. If you enjoyed this, this run through my data sheet, please make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Of course, the neon flashing lights here. Leave a comment if you're watching after the fact. I'm putting up this stuff or putting these uh, the stat part in the front because I'm hoping to keep this evergreen thing over the weekend. So, you know, check it out on Saturday morning if you want. Uh, but this data, I think, is some of the best data out there in the world. Again, for Sports Info Solutions, from Football Outsiders, from PFF, I'm paying the price tag and putting it together for you guys in the hopes that it adds some value. And, of course, if you have the money to pay for memberships to all those sites, I would certainly recommend doing it because it does add value to your football process. All right, no questions here. Nobody trying to look at any more stats. So let's get over to showdown time, guys. Bears, Commanders, the game we've all been waiting to see. So let me pull up Fantasy Cruncher and let's get right into it because we got to see where the optimals are at. Let me see if Stochastic updated their projections for this one. And again, you know, this game seems like it's going to be ugly. I think there might be some advantage in playing the pass catchers. Looks like Stochastic had an ownership projection. So these optimals are now out of date. So let's upload the new projections and see what everybody is likely to play. And I will say if you're new to the stream, or even if you you know watched a few of them and you haven't maybe bought in on my special brand of delicate genius, there's one thing we've been doing well in these streams lately. And that's a, well, that's ride or die picks. Pete and I have been crushing the ride or die picks relative to the low probabilities. Those represent, but B 
I've been identifying weak spots and showdowns now for three straight slates. Uh, have not taken one down yet with it or even had the, uh, the share of first. But boy, we have identified some fun stuff, including on Monday, talking about not playing the Chiefs kicker, instead playing Daniel Carlson. That pays off. Talked about the Kelsey Adams stuff. That ends up paying off. Uh, I think overall, you know, this is a spot where I feel like we're going to find something interesting here when we get to the optimal. Let me make sure that I turned off all my, oops, turned off all my settings. Of course, it wouldn't be a stream with me if I didn't misclick something and delay the process as a result. All right, so we got our options. Again, this is just to see what the optimal lineups are. So we're going to turn off all the groups. All the groups are off. Uh, turn off randomness. Turn off all that stuff. Let me up or let me drop the minimum projection allowed. Five players allowed against the defense. Cool. Um, all right. Oh, this is obscured slightly. Well, all right. Hopefully this is right. 20. There we go. All right, so the optimal, Curtis Samuel and the optimal a lot. <sighs> Curtis Samuel is a good play today, and I'm going to say that outright right now. He is a probably a better play captain now based on what we're seeing. Uh, only coming up 5% of the time in the optimal crunch here at captain coming up everywhere. Uh, feels to me like this makes it, you'll note one guy who's not coming up even once, you'll note the superstar player who's in this game on the commander's Terry McLaurin does not come up in a single optimal lineup. So that screams to me, McLaurin in the flex, McLaurin in captain is a move you want to make. I still think Curtis Samuel is a fine play. I don't think I would say to take him out entirely or to, to not play him. That said, he is far too obvious on a projection and price level. So that seems like one perhaps to avoid. But, okay, so 65% commander's defense in these optimal lineups, 40% bears defense. I I think the defenses will be well represented. You can play them. I would I probably would not play them in captain, given that they're both coming up in a 20 optimal or 20 lineup optimal crunch. Um good God. People are going to play the ugly parts of this. The kicker is not coming up at all means. This could be more of a kicker slate. Let me go back to my to my data sheet for this game. Um, it does seem like Chicago kicks more field goals third in the league in their field goals per drive rate. Washington actually not kicking a lot of field goals, 32nd in the league, and how often they're kicking field goals with a 3.5% field goal per drive rate. So I think the move is you try to play Gibson, maybe Brian Robinson too, play one of the running backs who can get that red zone work. Don't play the Washington kicker as much. Play instead um, the Bears kicker and pray. <laughs> I guess play Cairo Santos. Uh, maybe play some Joey Sly still, just given that he's not coming up in the optimal. But again, this is where this is why we crunch the optimal first because you could see the story that's being told here. Defenses, a lot of them, no kickers, surprising. Uh, a lot of Curtis Samuel. So the three takeaways I would have from this right now would be play McLaurin more than Samuel. Uh, try to play less defenses, even though it is hard not to. It's not going to make you feel comfortable. But play at least limit yourself to one defense and then maybe try to force in a kicker because they're just not coming up according to stochastics projections, which are an industry standard, but also, you know, like you can you can do that with anything. Um, well, you use ETR's projections if you want to. Like do the same process, but I think it's important to see the optimals. Let's get the randomness going up a little bit more here. Um, so... I'm thinking I might do a harsher salary cap for myself this week. I might limit myself to under $48,000 spent. And I, this might be a little recency biasy because this was what won the last slate. I think for this one though, with how easy it is that people are going to get to defenses, I just want to get on a different construction. So for the sake of this crunch, let's put it at 49,401 here, but you do want to set some sort of salary cap limit because it just puts you in a different group of people. Um, so the two guys, two guys that split the big tournament on DraftKings on Monday slate, I think guys both played under 15 lineups in the big tournament. Both had the salary cap at 48,000. Um, I don't know that's going to be every slate, but I think that is a noteworthy thing. to Keep in mind. If you're like me, I'm playing 20 lives in the Millie maker tonight. I'm not, I'm not playing 150. I don't have the bankroll to roll out 150 for every showdown slate. Uh, but I do think, or honestly, every fucking Millie Maker slate too. 150 maxing is very hard and very expensive. Keep that in mind if you're somebody that's trying to do this for the first time. 
But the one thing you can do for yourself is if you focus on a lower salary tier, you're at least getting away from that crunch, like that whole swath of lineups that 150 max is going to have a lot of the people who are in general casual players going to be closer to the 50,000 max salary. If you get it lower, you're going to be in a different grouping. And if you get it even lower and you're comfortable with the fact that you might just lose all your money, <laughs> like that's the way to do it. So um, to me, I think I'll be playing only lineups under $48,000, but for the sake of this crunch, we'll do. Uh, 49401. You can see all my groups as well. Um, you'll note I got limiting it to most one kicker at most one defense, um, which I still think is the right play, even though we have seen the inverse win some showdowns lately. Uh, for wide receivers, I'm only allowing two pass catchers overall from both teams. Also limiting it so that I can only get one pass catcher if I'm not using the QB from each team. And then because Carson Wentz doesn't run, but Justin Fields does, if I play Carson Wentz in the flex, he has to come with a pass catcher as well. Um, that's one of the things that I've been taking from Neil Orfield, who does a great job in the stochastic showdown videos as well. Um, I think the live before lock shows are great, but I did get a lot from watching Neil do his crunch. Um, basically, if you have a, a QB who is only throwing the ball and not running a lot, for the most part, they're going to get outscored if they have a single pass catcher that can make an optimal lineup. Whereas like, if they make the optimal lineup, you want to have them with a pass catcher. So that's something I've been trying to be mindful of. Justin Fields, though, runs so much, and this is a matchup where you got to expect him to run a good amount um, that I don't think you need to have him with a pass catcher if he's in the flex. And now let's crunch 500 here. I wish I can get this down. There we go. All right. 500 lineups, 33% randomness. You saw the rules. Take them if you want. Do something different if you want. Oh, actually, one thing I should do... I guess I won't do it for this one. One thing that Neil does, uh, does in his videos, which you could do here as well, would be limit the captain exposure. Um, I will do that probably for my uh, my overall crunch tonight that I do to put lineups in. But you can max the captain out at 20%, so you get a, a better swath of, of captain lineups and see some different looks. Um, we're still getting a good amount of different of unique captains, so I don't think it's that crazy. But you know, it's something to keep in mind that I will do later that I'm not doing right now. A lot of Justin Fields a captain. A lot of Justin Fields a captain. Both QBs actually a lot at captain. So I, I think pass catcher running back a captain fits the game totals and fits what both these teams do. Um, so I think less fields, less Wentz captain seems like the right move. We're getting more, we're getting more of the kickers overall now, which is a positive. And then still you Terry McLaurin. The one the highest upside player in this game, I think. Like, I guess maybe it honestly, given how much the Bears run, it could be Montgomery, it could be you know, Fields or or Wentz. You know, QBs always have the highest uh floor and also similarly high ceiling. McLaurin being this low, though, I feel like you play McLaurin at captain. I know I will have I think I'm gonna put in 60 entries tonight, uh, the 220 maxes and then the uh 20 entries in the Millie Maker. I will go at least 10 lineups out of those 60. We'll have McLaurin at captain. What does it look like with McLaurin at captain? All right. And also, how far off of the optimal are we? That's a good question, too. Um, also, if you are playing cash tonight, take the just play the optimal. Oh, Swavy at least asked for consent. Swavy, because you asked, yes, you could put a trade question in. But it, like, I don't get, I don't get the guys who just like browse around YouTube looking for somebody to answer a trade question. I guess that's like, the fantasy flock guy does a Q and A, so I get it. But yes, Swavy, you can ask me a trade question and I'll answer it for you. But trying to prepare for the showdown tonight, mostly. Um, all right, so the optimal's eighty point eight six. So yeah, we're we're within range with McLaurin at captain here. If you're going to play a cash game tonight, play this one. Commanders, Bears, play two defenses, I guess. Doesn't feel that cashy to play two defenses, but in this game, it seems like that's the move. This one, if you don't want to play two defenses, this is also a perfectly fine cash lineup with Fields at QB or Fields at Captain. Um, like, yeah. Yeah, again, steal, steal these. If you want to steal any lines from this, steal these uh, for your cash builds. Single entry, make a pivot off of that. Yeah, McLaurin, I think, is the play. I, I don't one defense plus McLaurin. What's McLaurin plus the kicker plus Santos. Oh, we don't have any McLaurin and Santos. That's interesting. But yeah, I think, I think McLaurin captain looks the most appealing. Maybe Bates a captain. You could also play if you wanted. 
Uh, what are the best Santos lineups? Let's see that. Commanders D plus Santos plus Samuel Fields Montgomery. And Wentz again, he's in the flex here. You got to force a pass catcher with him because he's not going to get there running. Um, yeah, I feel like playing Samuel without Wentz, playing McLaurin without Wentz looks like the most appealing from this 33% crunch. Let's run it. Let's run a 66 and see how that goes. Is anything different there? Also, I like that Swavy asked for consent and then didn't actually ask for a trade question. That was kind of the win-win. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Here we go. Got offered Mark Andrews for Nick Chubb. Currently is tight end is Kyle Pitts. Um, running back heavy. What do you think about the value? Man, that's an interesting one. The tough part is if you are in a redraft league, you're going to be sweating playing Mark Andrews over Kyle Pitts every week. And in the one week, like that Kyle Pitts goes off, like you're going to have some discomfort there. <sighs> I likely wouldn't do it. I think Nick Chubb is that entire Browns offense, but I could see why you would. I think it depends again. Like, like I was saying earlier in the stream, I think with redraft leagues, season long leagues, you have to have diamond hands because ultimately if you have a guy that sucks in the beginning of the season, he gets better. Like that's how this all works. Um, so from my perspective, I would say that you should hold on um, and just, you know, keep your Nick Chubb. Uh, that said, like, if you absolutely hate it, if you have some good guys, uh, at running back behind them, you can take Mark Andrews, but keep in mind, like you drafted Kyle Pitts to be good at some point. So like, if you're, if you're getting rid of him now and you're not going to play him now, like you're basically saying that Kyle Pitts will never be good. And I don't, I just don't think that's the way you win more money and less stress with DFS versus redraft. I agree with there being less stress. I don't think there's more, well, there's more money. I guess there's also more opportunity to lose money. At least with a redraft league, you're losing, you know, a thousand dollars max. If you're in a big baller league, losing a hundred dollars besides that. Um, but yeah, I think with, uh, with DFS, it's just, you know, it's a lot of work, but I think you get out of it what you put in. Uh, whereas redraft, there's that luck component with it. There's like the fact that people just panic a lot. Um, so Happy to help, Swavy, and thank you for coming in and asking. And feel free to subscribe. Tell a friend. I'll take your trade questions if it means getting the views up here and there. Um, I just care about DFS the most because that's where that's where the money's made. It's where the money's made and where the money's lost. Boy, I need a win to shut up fucking Alex. Shut up the wife. <laughs> it's going to get dicey, guys, with NBA around the corner. All right, let's see what, how this changes our captain build. So still a lot of fields of captain, though. He's coming down the more you up the randomness. So that means that Justin Fields, I think, superficially a very good play, but likely a play that is just a bit too obvious. Um, Bears D. Kickers come up as we up the randomness. That's something interesting to note as well. So that means the kickers, I think, if you're willing to embrace the volatility, uh, certainly a solid play. Defense is coming down a little as we up the randomness. So... Yeah, I I think the main things to me are I would try to avoid a defense captain. I know that's going to be hard. I would try to avoid that. I would try to avoid two defenses. I would try to avoid going Samuel in every lineup. Make sure you're getting at least some lineups without Samuel. And I think Terry McLaurin's the play. McLaurin, maybe Gibson too at, at captain could be appealing. But I think if you play Fields and you play Wentz, you are going to be with a large, like a large batch of people that just might not be that valuable for your money. Man, I I, I just think it's McLaurin. I think it's McLaurin captain. Here, who how much balls do I have? Would I put in 60 lineups tonight out? Would I put all of them with McLaurin at captain? I'm intrigued by it, I gotta say. Um yeah, maybe Fields, Montgomery, McLaurin captain. Let's see if that's a thing we can get to here. If that's the thing we landed on naturally, I'm just going to combine these crunches now and see what we have because I don't, I think for the sake of saving time, we can do one less crunch group. All right. Mm -mm. Take all these, copy them over to the group. And remember, if McLaurin does hit it, captain, uh, please come back to the stream and go, thank you, Spags, for telling me about McLaurin being the captain. And if he doesn't hit, go, ah, that was a volatility play. <laughs> if he doesn't make it, if he's terrible tonight, just go, ah, well, I guess, yeah, they can't all hit. Can't all be winners. I'm sure that's the rational response <laughs> everybody gives your, your favorite YouTube streamers. All right. Let's see what we got. McLaurin, captain. Still take fields. 
and then still take Montgomery. This looks like a nice lineup. Cole Turner, McLaurin, still got a defense. So he could go against Wentz. People are going to inherently not want to play the Bears with Wentz in the same lineup. And we're still within five points of the optimal. But fucking Cole Turner. Cole Turner might be a guy to avoid just because of the salary. The $200 salary. Is there one without Cole Turner here? This one, actually. So no Cole Turner. So no obvious value. McLaurin, Commanders, Cairo Santos. We got our kicker as well. Brian Robinson. We're getting no Wentz. We are getting fields. We're not getting fields to the pass catcher. This this one, guys, steal. If you're going to steal a lineup here, if you want to dupe with me tonight, uh, actually, I guess I'll be playing all the lineups under 48000 So if you want to play a good one over $48,000 in salary, this is it. McLaurin, Commanders, Cairo Santos, Brian Robinson, Justin Fields, David Montgomery. This one, if you want to play the other kicker, McLaurin, Commanders, Sly, Mooney, Fields, Montgomery, that's also fine. Cole Turner, though, is too fucking obvious. Cole Turner is going to be in everybody's optimals, and I don't love that. What, what was he in the overall rate? Only 20% overall. So maybe he's still an okay play, but fuck, he's, he feels like that guy who's just $200 and going to project well according to everybody, and he gets in your lineup, and you're like, why am I playing Cole Turner even though he means absolutely nothing to me or my family or my life? <laughs> But that's that's the guy that Cole Turner is. Maybe play Bates over him. That could be something to do. Play a different tight end. Yeah, you're not getting Bates naturally with these guys. But if I were going to identify three plays I feel the most confident in, it would be Montgomery, Fields, and McLaurin. What about just regular McLaurin? Let's see that, too. God, I'm so locked in on McLaurin. He's going to fuck me. He fucked me on Sunday, honestly. Like, he did fuck me pretty bad. Because <laughs> I was so in on the deep passing against the Titans. And it ends up being Diami Brown catching two bomb, One absolute bomb. And then one, like, way big bomb. <laughs> that could have been McLaurin's. But again, you get fucking Cole Turner here, man. This one's interesting. If you're going to take a Fields captain, go Robinson, McLaurin, no Wentz. The more I see Cole Turner, the more I'm like, he is the, the cheap Curtis Samuel. It's going to pop up easily in every lineup. Oh, we got another trade question, but no consent asked. Full PPR for flex position, David Montgomery or Jeff Wilson Jr. I have Ramondre Stevenson in my only uh, running back slot. Hmm. They're both really good players this week, Joker. Um, I think... I think I'd probably go Montgomery. But honestly, I don't know. Jeff Wilson looked just as good as Seven Coleman this week. I think either play is is fine. You're you're right with Ramondre being the lock play though. Um, but yeah, like you're not gonna kill yourself either way. Oh boy, just people coming in for trade questions. Pick two wide receivers: Gabe Davis, Chris Godwin, Pittman Jr., Waddle. You're probably playing Gabe because of the total in that game. Pittman Jr.'s A dot's been really low this year, um, and Waddle, Waddle. If it's Skylar Thompson, I, I think he's off the board. Uh, probably Gabe and, and Godwin for me with those two. Kalmana Ushara. Also, if you guys come in and ask a trade question, this is not a trade question show. So please subscribe if you're doing that. I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart. So I'm just trying to investigate Terry McLaurin accordingly. Uh, so please subscribe to the channel and I'll happily take your trade questions when they pop up. Right, so here's some. So th there you go. There's some teams. We'll see what we get with Curtis Samuels here just for the sake of completionism. Connor, I think this could be the Kyle Pitts week, so I'm willing to take that flyer. Um, I also think that Cincinnati game won't be that high scoring, personally. Uh, but, man, just serves as safety. If you get T. Higgins out, you can go to Hurst. But I think I think Pitts is the higher upside play, for sure. For what we talked about earlier in the stream, uh, Niners do give up deep ball passing at a higher rate than you would expect, given that they're good at everything defensively. But they're honestly good at, like, if that deep ball thing is a weakness already, the fact that they have injuries in the secondary, like, the deep ball thing is only going to get worse. So I think this could be the week Kyle Pitts actually pays off. Um, All right. Curtis Samuel here. These Curtis Samuel lineups just aren't that exciting. You're pretty much getting Wentz everywhere. If you're going to play Curtis Samuel, I think play him at captain. Because at least then you're getting away from a very obvious value play. Should I trade Lockett and Geno for Waddle? Mm. With how Seattle's playing, I wouldn't. 
Miami just, I don't know, like two is going to get back in at some point. So I don't have concerns about Waddle, but like you, you hit on the right thing. <sighs> Honestly, this, at least it's an interesting trade question. Does anybody else have any thoughts? Feel free to drop it in the chat too, but I get wanting to buy low on Waddle. I guess if you're not a believer in Seattle and you think the bottom's going to fall out of what they're doing, but there's nothing numerically that says the bottom's going to fall out besides, you know, just watching game film and going, God, Gino should not be forcing that throw, but he's forcing it and hitting it right now. So based on what we've seen so far, I wouldn't make the trade, but I think Waddle is certainly like, if we're going just by ADPs, like you're getting a nice value on that. So like, um, you're not, you're not crazy either way. Josh plays DFS as keep Lockett. Yeah. I, I think if you made the bet right on Lockett and Gino, like uh, I feel like just ride it out. Like I think people want to trade too much in, in redraft leagues. That's always one of my takes. Like I think you're better off just riding out the storm. And that's what's you know, like. I was winning back when I was doing my league with my close friends from high school. Um, and we played that for like 15 years before we finally gave up uh, right at the start of COVID or actually right after COVID. Um, like I was winning every other year because I just didn't trade. Like I just trusted the auction process, trusted the draft process when we were doing snake drafts. Um, like, you know, I think there is a declining expected value when you start like farm selling off things that um, you actually got right. Like, I, I don't know that that's the best way to do things. Like a running back, it's running hot. Like if you want to trade Derrick Henry right now or like, you know, in like two weeks, like then you could do that. Cause like the assumptions that the wheels could fall off at any moment there. Um, but I think guys that are actually outperforming and you got that right. Like, I think that's a mistake. DFS greater than season long. You never have to ask these questions next week is a whole different game. Yeah. Again, it's just, it's can You stomach the money losing. Are you smart with your bankroll? I think that's always how I feel about DFS. As long as you could stomach the losses and you keep pushing, like, I think that's fine. Um, if you're broke ass, like I think just play your fucking redraft league, <laughs> be happy with it or, or play the quarter for DFS and have more upside. Um, all right. So there we go. So I think overall, again, my, my takeaways here, people are going to play too much defense. People are not going to play enough kicker relative to the score and people are going to play too much Curtis Samuel. So I will say those are the three things. If you want to go spicy with it, you want to go a, a higher level of DFS understanding. I think play Terry McLaurin as captain, uh, play Curtis Samuel as captain. Don't play him as a flex, uh, and be willing to fade one of the QBs, but in particular Carson Wentz, because he doesn't really have a rushing floor. Looks like McLaurin's being owned at captain more than he's optimal there. You know, that's certainly something to keep in mind. Check run the Sims, check the boom bust tool. Actually, let's check the stochastic boom bust tool real fast before we jump off here. Um, but I just know, like, I think sometimes that can be wrong. Like, I think looking at the projections and trying to figure it out, at least from what I've seen, has been the better way to do that. Because um, I think sometimes the optimal tools don't quite get it right. But let's see. All right. So they're saying, so Stochastic has it as McLaurin is the optimal captain 6.9% of the time, and he's going to be played a captain 7.2%. I don't think he's going to get played that much. I, I just don't think it. I think Samuel's going to be higher. And he is, and they have him as being higher too. I think sometimes that's the issue with these optimal tools as well as like they assume that everybody plays rationally and plays like even handedly. And that's not what the field does. Like, that's just not how that goes. And I think people will go, uh, McLaurin can't get there. They're going to sell out to stop McLaurin. So like, the, I don't mean to be doing a fantasy flock impression, but, <laughs> but it, it kind of just sounded similar to that impression. Uh, but like, I, I think that's how people will think about it is like, oh, McLaurin, I don't know that he has the upside anymore. Curtis Samuel's so much cheaper and you can, you know, you can get there easily and put him in cap to put him in the flex. Um, I, I think McLaurin is the play and I just don't think he's going to get this much ownership. But your mileage may vary. As I always say, your mileage may vary. Um, Justin Fields being the top play. Again, that's really obvious. Comes up a lot. Uh, Montgomery, top play comes up a lot. And of course, go to Stochastic. Pay for a package on there. Um, they have some great deals always going as well. If you watch the YouTube channels for Stochastic. So please, I'm generously showing their stuff on the screen right now because there's only a fucking handful of people watching this one or a couple hundred overall by the time, <laughs> time the slate locks. But for you guys out there, if you want to make your DFS process better, I would recommend Stochastic. Certainly ETR, a good one as well. You know, Roto Grinders has some shit. Uh, it's worthwhile. But uh, I would I would vouch for Stochastic personally the most. Yeah, Apple tools are not perfect, no doubt, just a guide. Yes, I, I look at this. I look at Run the Sims before doing my build, but I do like to build the most off of just like what are people not playing, and I just think people, based on that optimal crunch, based on the overall, I just don't think people will be playing McLaurin at captain. That's my thought. What's up, Brandon? Good to see you, bud. Brandon, of course, thank you. Very happy with his best ball exposure. I think Brandon, actually, I might have mentioned on the stream yesterday, is a guy that thinks he's going to advance 50% of his best ball entries, so pray for Brandon. <laughs> 
<laughs> you think that's going to be the case. Uh, but I, I think you'll be very happy, Brandon, if you advance half of that would be my thought. All right, guys. There you have it. So tomorrow, the main event comes back with me and Pete, 10 a.m. tomorrow. So please come hang out with us then. Hang out with us then, of course. Um, I'm adding some more content to the channel. If you want to get in on NBA best ball, check out the stream I did yesterday. Of course, playing the double dribble on underdog. That's the one that's going to have overlay, $25 entry, but looks pretty good. Use the promo code SPLASH. It's double your deposit up to $100 for that one. But also DraftKings $5. Looks like it's going to have overlay as well. Might be an even better deal. Um, you know, like I love underdog, but I think you got to go where the money is. DraftKings, it does feel like could have some value as well. So if you want to do NBA best ball, check out that stream yesterday for some guys I highlighted who I think are undervalued relative to the market, but also could be worthwhile in NBA best ball. And I think get some entries in either way. Like even if you just kind of know it, follow the ADPs, do what you do for NFL best ball, do it for NBA. I think it's worth getting some entries in for the NBA tournaments that I just mentioned right now. And yeah, Brandon, just rewind. Rewind, Brandon. That's all you got to do. And I'm here for you whenever you need it. But this will be the new Thursday show, guys. So every week I'll go through my data sheet. We'll try to unearth some interesting angles for you guys. We'll get into the showdowns. We'll do that. And then tomorrow, of course, Ryder dies. Pete, I'm sure he will have a fun segment he wants to do. So come back for that one. Follow me at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. And, of course, subscribe, like, leave a comment down below. I get back to every comment. So please do that, even if you're watching after the fact, because I appreciate it a bunch. Uh, but, again, tomorrow, me and Pete, about 10 a.m. Eastern. So come do that and good luck tonight guys go terry mclaurin go fighting terry mclaurin's i'll see you guys tomorrow good luck <laughs>